AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Downside momentum is building in the corn market ahead of the final corn and soybean crop estimates of the year. Bean oil futures are reconnected to the energy markets. Pressure on the wheat built throughout the session. And livestock futures mostly failed to build on yesterday's strong gains. Live from the foreboding forefront of full frontal fall via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Matt Campbell from Stonex. Right after the news, Varsity Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. David. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. Yeah, I keep looking at that weather forecast, and it feels more like we are right on the doorstep of winter. I, this this fall thing, I, we might be getting past it, Davis. That's really that's how it looks and feels to me. Yeah. So I mean, the for, the forebred, foreboding forefront of full frontal fall is actually inaccurate. Well, I'm I no no. Technically, it's it's very much accurate because uh, we've got a ways to go before we get to that first day of dec- uh, of uh, of winter, but. Yeah. Weather-wise, weather-wise, yeah. it's going to feel like winter. I'm afraid. Mm. Yeah. I don't. I don't have that many W words that I could string together. Wow. So well, you know what? I'll bet you do. I'll bet you I do. I could come if up you, with something. Yeah. I'm sure you, yeah. Davis. Hmm. I and all of the listeners. Yes. Have unbelievable faith that you uh-huh. can string enough W words together to make it work. Your well wishes are like a Werther's. To my wintry soul. Gotcha. <laughs> Welcome to Agri Talk. I'm Chip Florian Werther. See, now you got me craving. Oh, now yeah. you got me craving. Would you, would you like a hard candy, young man? <laughs> I have Werther's. <laughs> oh, I'm Chip. That is Davis, and this oh, is Agri Talk. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. Conversation coming up with Matt Campbell from Stone X Group. Uh, We've got to get ready for the for for the crop production. We've got to get ready for the supply and demand reports. Those come our way tomorrow at eleven o'clock Central Time. Got to get ready. Um, got to get ready. What do we do about it? Not only what are the expectations, but what do we do about it? Is there time to uh, to take any risk out of the market, or should you should you take any risk out of the market? We'll hmm. we'll figure that out in just a little bit. All right, let's get to the news, Davis. What do you got? Well, Chip, wheat futures extended losses in afternoon trade, ending the session on or near session lows. December SRW wheat futures are just above support at the 825 level, but the contract posted the lowest close since September 1. Position squaring ahead of tomorrow's supply and demand report has most uh, new the bottom of the long-term sideways trading range. USDA rated 30% of the winter wheat crop in good to excellent conditions as of Sunday. That's two points better than the previous week. Traders are also watching for new developments in negotiations to keep grain flowing from Ukraine. December HRW wheat futures 11 and one half cents lower, 945 and three quarters. December soft red wheat down 18 cents, 827 and three quarters. December spring wheat closed at 950 and one half. 
That's down nine and three quarters. Chip. Yeah, maybe the markets are getting a little bit negative going into tomorrow morning's reports because we've got most of the wheat contracts near the bottom of that sideways trading range. Corn, kind of the same situation, building some downside momentum. Mm -hmm. Might be just a little bit negative going into the reports. USDA this morning announced the sale of nearly 339,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico in the current marketing year. Still, December corn opened steady, tried to rally, then fell to post a near-session low close. That was the lowest close since late September. Position evening ahead of tomorrow's crop production report and updates to the supply and demand balance sheets uh, dominated trade. Crop watchers expect negligible change to the corn crop estimate. Others say the advanced harvest pace primes the market for a post-season surge in demand. December corn futures eight and one quarter cents lower, six sixty-seven and one half. March corn down seven and three quarters, six seventy-three and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six sixty-nine and three quarters, down seven and one half cents. I realize that the trend is still sideways in December corn, but as we are starting to kind of check off these support levels under the market, mm-hmm. it does feel like downside momentum is building. Crude oil futures were solidly lower with prices back below $90 per barrel. That pulled bean oil prices lower and weighed on soybean prices throughout the session. USDA this morning announced the sale of 144,000 metric tons of beans to Mexico, nearly 139,000 metric tons to China, and 132,000 tons for delivery to unknown destinations. That demand, however, was not enough to turn prices higher ahead of tomorrow's USDA reports. January beans three and three quarters cents lower, fourteen forty six and one half. March down four and three quarters, fourteen fifty three and one quarter. July soybeans closed at fourteen sixty one and one half, down six and three quarter cents. Chip. Yeah, bean oil one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and thirty points lower, but soybean meal was mostly eighty to two and a half dollars higher. So beans were kind of caught in the middle of that trade. December cotton nineteen points higher, eighty seven sixty eight. Livestocks, December live cattle opened slightly higher and pushed up to match yesterday's high at 153.25 before setting back to test buying interest. That buying showed up around the 152.75 level, helping Dease cattle close back near the opening range. December fat cattle steady, 153.05. April down 30 cents, 158.25. January feeders one tick lower, 179.90. And on the snout side, Deese Lean Hog futures opened slightly lower near session highs, then fell back to test support near 85 bucks even. Front month hogs posted an inside trading day, high range open, low range close. Deese Hogs, 147 and one half lower, 85, 57 and one half April, down 15, 94, 20. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Good afternoon, Joe. What's up, Chip? How are you? Well, not a whole lot was up in this corn. It's got me a little worried. It feels like we're gaining some downside momentum in here. What's your take on it? Uh, chart looks bad after today. We had this kind of channel in place on the December corn chart, and it looks to me, at least the way I read it, that we kind of broke out to the downside. Now, that could be all for naught if you got a bullish-looking report tomorrow. I just don't know what would be bullish in the report. I think, if anything, uh, USDA is going to reduce the U.S. demand numbers. I don't know if there's going to be enough anywhere else to really turn that into a, a bullish-looking deal. Right. Yeah, It it this report has a feel that if we do get a cut on the supply side, 
they're going to cut that demand side even deeper. If we get a steady to higher on the supply side, they're still going to cut the demand side is how it feels, doesn't it? Yeah, I I don't have any opinion on the supply side. I mean, the general expectation is that they don't change yeah. the numbers. But I think that a lot of traders, especially after some of the export sales and, and inspections we saw this week for corn, a lot of people think that export number needs to come down and not just by a little bit, like by a lot. So yeah. um, I don't know if that's a move that they make tomorrow, but it's it's something that has to happen. I think they've got to reduce that export projection by – I don't know if it's fifty million or hundred million tomorrow. It's it's probably something that's coming though. Okay. Anything in the soy complex got your attention? Um, you know, we went up and tested kind of like an old trend line in the January contract yesterday and backed off. It's still held together fairly well though. I mean, I guess it's about South American weather and, and yeah. demand. And South American weather looks pretty good. I mean, they've got all the potential in the world in Brazil. It's it's early still. Yep. Yep. All right, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you later. See you, Chip. All right. That is Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Okay. Coming up next, we need to a little more report talk, a little more crop talk. We've got Matt Campbell from Stonex Group up next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Come from the land of the autumn snow? Ice and snow. I I was sure it was autumn snow. Boy, I am way off. Ice and snow. Did I? Yes. Did I not? I can't imagine that you didn't. Busted. Yeah. I don't Busted. know if we're going to have all that much of that around here this weekend, but uh, okay. um, it's coming. I can feel it. My bones. That's oh, what really? it is. Yeah. Th- yeah. yeah. I got a, I got a hip. Yeah, like I am that. that old. It lets me know. It lets me know. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I got a hip like that. A hip? From, from the old shoeing days. It just never straightened <laughs> out. Funny... When when the weather's <laughs> about to change, boy, you can you can tell. It's a funny word, isn't it? Hip. 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 Hip, 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 hip. I started moving my hips. <laughs> Glad that you are with us. I'm Jeff. That's Davis. Let's get Hello. to the conversation right now with Matt Campbell from Stonex Group. <laughs> Matt, it's good to have you back. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Chip. How are you? Good, good, good. You got any of those body parts that just kind of show up before the weather changes? <laughs> 
Yeah, I kind of I'm at that age where I can feel the storms are coming sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, I I'm glad that I'm not in this uh, in this by myself then. Well, let's ask him. Are you, are, are you getting anything right now? Is anything uh, <laughs> any transmissions from the uh, interior <laughs> weatherman? I, I I wasn't getting that intuition, so you know maybe okay. we're going to be clear here in Des Moines. Ooh, good. All right. Like that. I like that. You, who knows? We might be able to identify the storm line before everything is said and done just by I think this is an untapped resource. Yeah, yeah. Untapped resource yeah. here. All right, buddy. We got the supply and demand. We got the crop production report coming our way tomorrow. Uh, Stonex does a, a thorough survey of uh, clients and elevators and so on. Uh, each month when USDA is putting out the crop estimates, what do you guys find? As far as the corn yields go for November, the key takeaway really was that our numbers came up, you know, about a bushel and a half, and I think that was uh, it. Probably wasn't terribly surprising as you kind of got further into harvest that kind of the heavy lifting was done by northern eastern Iowa through northern Illinois. You know that 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 area just really kind of kept getting better as we went through harvest. So, um, you know, our number is going to be on the high side of of trade estimates, but the directional trend is really what was more important with, with what we saw from October versus November. And, it, you know, I think Informa had a similar uh, report as well. So those are two kind of of the pre-USDA report estimates that both had that trend um, increasing from off to no. Right. Um, there are growers out there that will say there is no way that this yield can go up. It, it's, it was a tough growing season. I, th- I think we need to remind those listeners that Trendline is 181 bushels per acre. And we're talking about a crop somewhere around 172, 173. Uh, Stonex is at 174.5, so that's getting a little closer back up there towards Trendline. But it's not a Trendline crop. No, and, and, and you know, if you think about it, I mean, if you're looking at where the USDA currently is versus their trend estimate that they gave us in May, you know, this is on par with the 2019 crop, which was ravaged from planting delays, you know, epic proportion early in the season. So it's not, you'd call this close to a a failure of some, you know, some magnitude anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There are some people that are wondering if there was enough silage made from this year's crop to move the needle on harvested acres. I know that's getting deeper into the weeds here, Matt, but I think about all the lightweight calves that go, that have gone into the feedlot with no place to go on on wheat pasture, no place to go on range pasture. Maybe a, a few less on the harvested acres, but again, I don't know if that moves the needle. No, and that's been one of those things that's kind of hard to define what the what the protocol historically has been from the USDA and. Then the next question is, what does that mean for feed usage? You know, it just it's it's just a different kind of a an animal to kind of t- dissect, I suppose. But um, certainly possible. You know, I mean, I think that that's that's not outside of the realm of expectation. But I just don't expect to see that from the USDA. Um, you know, it's probably one of those things that maybe they make an adjustment in January, but I would doubt they'd make anything like that tomorrow. Okay, right, 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 right. I I think that's probably right. Um, it, it feels to me like a, a setup for a black swan. Nobody's leaning towards a lower crop, Matt. Nobody. <laughs> if, if that happens, $7 corn tomorrow. 
Oh, I mean, we've how many black swans have we had the last few yeah. years? <laughs> <laughs> It, I, they're getting me, they're like normal anymore. So I don't know. Uh, we're redefining the term, but yeah, yeah, and, and giving them a new language at, at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Davis. Davis. Well, <laughs> I, I, what are the so, what, you know? What are the odds? What are the odds that we could get something that is that that surprises everybody on the downside? Well, you know, it's interesting. You look at the average trade guess, and, and by in both corn and beans, the average of the midpoint is uh, exactly unchanged from October. I don't know that I've ever seen that before, but that's kind of how the cookie crumbled in this report. Tomorrow, you know, if you look back historically on, call it the directional change from September to October versus a change from October to November, there's an adage of big crops get bigger, small crops get smaller. And I think yeah. that actually does have some merit in corn. It doesn't really play out in beans that often. So I don't think that that's quite as, you know, a strong correlation, but there is truth to the idea that, you know, a, a sept oct decline in, in USDA yield estimate does oftentimes and more often than not mean a smaller crop in November. And uh, the problem is that it just feels like some of the, you know, like you mentioned the, 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 uh, the latest survey stuff has kind of come in the other direction of, of increased yields uh, from we saw in October. I guess just from a timeline, you kind of look at how the harvest progress has been and, you know, all the shorter crops in the Western Corn Belt, the Southwestern Corn Belt were probably at least had some idea of what that crop size was when the USDA was surveying in October and the better crops, you know, that's what, that's why these numbers are coming in higher on the resurvey is just, um, you know, the, the good stuff has been, later harvested and it was so healthy almost all the way into late October. Yeah. So okay. I, I, my bias is a little bit higher, but I, I, you can't rule out history, you know, of, of the small crops get smaller concept. Yep. Well, you know, with that average trade guess being unchanged on both corn and soybeans, you know what that makes me want to say? Somebody's going to be surprised. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's another constant theme in this market over the last few years. Somebody's going to be surprised. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. That's right. Okay. What do you make of what basis has been doing? I don't know that not, I've ever seen. I'm not specifying yeah. where. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll do that for you. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen like a, a line in the sand like I have this year. And you can tell where the poles coming from. You know, it's that southwestern Corn Belt, which was obviously probably your poorest crop area. Um, also has such a strong feed presence, and you know, it's pulling from a lot of that western Iowa rail. You know, even in the central Illinois, a lot of that that west southwest bound rail market is is uh is really strong right now and it's and it's definitely a case of haves and have nots you go kind of like right down i-35 and go eastward and it's a totally different cash market than what you see west of that of that interstate so very much extremes um the, the worst crops are also you know just pulling the hardest right now and i i think it's it's not necessarily a function of call it strong demand aka you know more than what the usda is forecasting as much as it is a combination of just real lackluster farmer movement in those, in those, you know, smaller crop pockets and um, an end user that just is call it FOMO buying. You know, they don't want to be dealing with chasing a market that they feel is going to run out of you know, corn, you know, and uh, you take the five state geography from Colorado through Texas. And, you know, that's uh, down about 800 million bushels of corn and milo production this year. So, you know, where the regional basis strength is coming from. Yeah. 
You know, if the end users are are as collectively right as they would be if they wait and do buy corn lower, it, it won't it be like the first time ever? <laughs> yeah, in the last few years, it, it's been, you know, it's just interesting. You know, the basis markets the last few years, I know it doesn't seem like it, but like net of a cost of carry, um, the strongest values have come post-harvest, you know, right around that uh, December, January timeframe versus March futures. I know we look at some of those basis extremes late summer, but with the inverse on the board and the cost of carrying that grain that, that far, net margin opportunity is still better, um, and the growers should pay attention to that. Um, cash markets have been the strongest, you know, immediately following that, that harvest period. So yeah. just a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, advocate for taking advantage of a, of a market when it's screaming for your product, make sure you're, you're selling into it. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad counsel at all. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back, Matt, the risk management side of this, what do we want to do with corn? We're going to jump on corn and do that quick. And then I want to, uh, I, we got to talk about the supply side of the balance sheet as well. What do you expect on the, the demand estimates? We touched it a little bit there with some of that feed and residual demand on corn. But I want to get into it a little bit deeper. All right. We are talking with Matt Campbell from Stone X Group right here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. When USDA's weekly crop condition ratings are plugged in to the weighted Pro Farmer Crop Condition Index, the HRW crop inched up two tenths of a point, but remains 22.5% below the five year average. Amid continued adverse weather and potentially lower acreage, crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier lowered his Argentine corn crop estimate, but left his Argentine soybean crop estimate unchanged. Russia says it has not seen much progress on advancing its exports of grains and fertilizers as part of the Black Sea Export Initiative. Models suggest above-average rainfall for northern and eastern Australia during its spring and summer. Chinese officials have grown concerned about the costs of their zero-tolerance approach toward COVID, and UN Secretary General opened COP27 by saying cut emissions or condemn future generations to catastrophe. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Try ProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. I 
kind of want to wait until the drum solo comes up here, don't you? Sure, why not? I got time. Pays the same. Well, maybe we better to get going. Oh. I don't know. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Matt Campbell from Stone X. Before we get back to Matt Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip December HRW wheat futures were eleven and one half cents lower today, nine forty-five and three quarters. December soft red wheat down eighteen cents, eight twenty-seven and three quarters. December corn futures eight and one quarter cents lower, six sixty-seven and one half. July corn futures closed at six sixty-nine and three quarters, down seven and one half cents. January beans were three and three quarter cents lower, fourteen forty-six and one half. July beans closed at fourteen sixty-one and one half, down six and three quarters. December cotton was nineteen points higher, eighty-seven sixty-eight. On the livestock side, December fat cattle steady, one fifty-three oh five. Jan feeders one tick lower, one seventy-nine ninety. And December lean hogs one dollar forty-seven and one half cents lower today, eighty-five fifty-seven and one half on the close. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Matt Campbell, Stonex. Every year, Matt, it gets to this time of the year, and I think to myself, oh, we just need to get to the new year and we'll see some grain move. Yeah, every now and then, that works. Most of the time, so-so. <laughs> but I, I, I'm try- I, I think I'm talking myself into the same argument again. Is that what it's going to be? <laughs> Is it just simply the fact that farmers don't want revenue, any more revenue, in 2022 that's keeping grain movement slow? Yes, is my answer. Um, I think that's a big a big reason for it. I think, you know, when you look at the last two years in particular, you've had pretty aggressive post-harvest rallies that are very fresh in our minds. Now, granted, this year you're at you know, a higher starting point than you would be at either of the last two years. But I think that, you know, I've heard a grower comments that, why would I make all these sales at harvest? It keeps rallying every time I, I do it. So yeah. um, combination of, of not wanting a whole lot of income and, and being just optimistic on the board. Now, I'm not, I don't think that the story is the same as it's been the last two years, but uh, I can understand the, the, the grower mentality right now. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Okay, demand side of the balance sheet on corn, the, the export thing yeah. is probably... It's it's got to be concerning. Yeah, you know, it, you just look at the the balance sheet the USDA has currently in place, and you'd say there's two things that are pretty glaring. I mean, the feed number looks pretty low, and the export number looks pretty high. So, I wouldn't be shocked if they start to kind of tweak. You know, they've been you know fairly aggressive in cutting exports really for the last few months. But um, I mean, we haven't sold 100 million bushels of corn out the door since SEP one inspections were as low as they were, you know, a year ago during Ida. And this isn't a logistics thing on the corn program. It's totally a price function in the international market. And and so we're just losing market share as China's making the final preparations to bring in Brazilian corn as well. It's just a lot of headwinds on that. And I, and I think, you know, uh, I think there's probably an over under on a 1.9 billion bushel corn export program that people be, you know, aggressively putting, you know, betting on both sides of that right now. Well, hold prices high enough for a long enough period of time, it's going to show up someplace, and the expectation is that it's going to show up in the export demand for U.S. corn. Um, can China wait that long? Well, um, it's just interesting. You know, China has been one of our sales de- – I mean, keep in mind, shipments haven't been impressive at all, 
But right. of the, the groups we've seen corn go out the door to, China has been showing up all weeks. But last week, they actually showed up on the sales report as a, you know, some cancellations. And you saw this week, we saw essentially no shipments to China. So I, I don't know that the Brazilian thing is, is going to be a headwinds and that's something that's in play. But um, I, my answer is, as it stands right now, I, I think um, it'd be more of a surprise if they were going to be buying more, whether they, you know, keep taking some shipments, you know, piecemeal on here and there is probably more likely. Okay. Uh, talk to me about risk management on corn specifically. Uh, what, are, what are you and your clients talking about? From a grower perspective, you know, I mean, and my business is mostly commercial, but I'd have the same mm-hmm. recommendations for, you know, a commercial elevator as I would for, for a grower. And you look at, there's, there's, as we talked about at the top of the show, regional cash markets are extreme right now. And you're going to be, find pockets of, of extremely strong cash markets. And my recommendation to a grower is you just, it's better to be, you know, get that moved, sell cash, look to reown the board if you have to. Um, call options, believe it or not, because we've been such range bound trade in corn, call option premiums are pretty darn cheap relative to the price level we're at right now. So you could look at buying some at the money calls if you needed to and, and spend about what you'd spend in just you know commercial storage. So it's really not a bad investment to take some risk off the table, look to reown um, option strategies. Uh, I think that's probably the direction I would go personally if I were in a grower's shoes. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential out there. Okay, what should they be thinking about on 23 crop? Well, you know, I my 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 best recommendation on on anything with that is there's so much risk, and and, and the current profit margins estimated are very significant. And you know, you're talking about another 250 plus dollar an acre net kind of a revenue situation right now. So I, I net profit, I should say. So if you're going to be looking at inputs uh, to me, I don't know why we aren't, you know, selling up to our input level. If you had X dollars committed to next year's crop, get that covered via, via some sort of just forward contract, pretty simple, nothing. You don't need to get too cute on this one and um, just take that risk off the table as well. Maybe get into the next year, start to talk about the acres battle and maybe that's the next unit and then always, you know, kind of continue your market new crop as you get into that 4th of July holiday as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. Keep that, keep that new crop stuff simple. I mean, those years yeah. when you can, when, when you can sell, you know, when you can sell less than two thirds of your crop and you can cover all of your anticipated <laughs> production costs. Yeah. It, it just, it just seems like it's, it's, time to take a piece of pie when the pie is passed is what it feels like yeah it, and i and i hate to even bring this up but I, I mean i just what i should say you know if you think back to last year's uh, ag outlook forum in february and you and you look at what yeah. the usda issued us yesterday in the baseline estimates and I, again these are kind of yeah. pie in the sky but mm-hmm. what you can say with confidence is that if there's ever a year where we actually get that 92 million corn acres and we get a trend line corn crop. I mean, this, this is going to rebuild stocks in one year. It's, it's, it's a real simple thing. And, and I think that there's enough, there's enough potential with any of this stuff that you really should just be taking that risk off the table for that 23 crop as you are starting to get more aggressive in pricing inputs and, and sending cash out the door. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I agree with that one year stocks rebuilding with, 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 one uh, caveat here, you got to have a good South American crop in front of that. 
That's true. Okay? That absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it the way things stand right now is we're mm-hmm. on our way to getting a good South American crop. So that twenty three crop would be the second good crop in a row. And I'm talking 23 corn crop would be that second good crop in a row to to rebuild stock. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Yep. Um, okay, beans. Uh, we, we've talked about the supply side some. Talk to me about the demand side of the balance sheet on beans. There's, there's a lot of question marks on what we just talked about on corn. On beans, um, what you can say is demand seems to be firing on all cylinders right now. First thing would be crush. You know, we're talking about board crush margins at our record levels and have been. Now, they've come off a little bit the last couple, of, you know, week or so, but they're still incredibly profitable. And, and, and I think um, you're, you're not going to see, you know, anything less than, than as much could be crushed as possible. So that's, uh, that's one thing. The export program was, you know, extremely uncertain as the river logistics started to get under pressure. And, and, and in, you know, it's kind of the second year in a row that the P&W has kind of bailed out that, that Gulf market uh, uh, logistical issues. So um, we're actually shipping at a pace that's much better than what I had expected us to be able to do over the last few weeks. So both, both uh, being domestic and export are pretty strong right now. So you've got that, you've got kind of going into the uncertainty with the South American crop, which the last few years has been kind of a roller coaster. Um, you've got China considering, you know, trying to, we don't really know what their COVID zero plans are. They've kind of been all over the place, but there's enough on, you know, kind of maybe optimism. They may make relaxing um, restrictions. So there's enough on the bean market. That's, you know, we're, there's a reason we're kind of up in the upper end of the trading range for the last few months right now. I and mean, I think those are all kind of in play right now. Okay. Uh, risk management on beans. Talk to the old crop, the 22 crop. Anything in particular you want to do? Yeah, you know, I guess uh, I'm, I, I think my general approach is, you know, you look the last couple of months and beans have been in kind of a dollar range sideways. And, and I guess you, you think about what takes you above that range, and we're kind of near that now. We're a little bit off of it, but we're, we're close enough. Um, what takes you above that is is a real problem in South America. Now, right now, I don't really think that's what the market is trading at all. So um, we'll, we'll we'll have to keep watching. But that's probably the thing it's needed to to get above that. And kind of like corn, you you might be better off, you know, in some of the pockets that have some strong cash markets, just just selling cash. Look to some call ownership. You know, if you need to have the runaway uh, calls to to protect the upside potential, um, that'd be something I would look at on old crop beans as well. Yeah, selling strength in this market, it, it feels like the right thing to do until we've got a problem in South America. If that happens, then you've got to maybe back away from that strategy a little bit, huh? Yeah, and, and I think what I've looked at over the last few years as we've had, you know, various shades of bull market or stagnant market is, you know, in an uptrend, it's pretty simple. You kind of have a line in the sand that if the market breaks a certain support point, um, you need to just move on and, and get stuff taken right. to the bank. It, it just everybody's gonna have right. a different line in the sand. Is this thing? Yep, Matt. You know I always enjoy our conversations, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yep. Thanks, Chip. Appreciate it. All right, Matt Campbell, Stonex Group, Davis, and I will be right back. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Couples retreat. That's what I was saying. Couples retreat. That's the one? Yeah, that's it. See, I, I was thinking snakes on a plane, but oh, that no. seems way off, way off. No, Welcome no. back to AgriTalk, everyone. AgriTalk! Your pal Davis Michelson here. Uh, with Chip Flory. Yeah. Just had a great conversation with Matt Campbell. Now, we've got the reports Always. tomorrow, um, but and I have, I have a sort of a philosophical question about that, but let's, let's sort of start outside of that conversation where we should be at. A lot of talk about selling strength um, mm-hmm. be, just because of, you know, he, he said it, you can almost tell, like if you put bases on a map, you could you could see the lines where the pole oh, is coming from. Um, cell strength, unless there's a problem in South America, or <laughs> black swan. Because you see, the thing is with these black swans, I don't know if you you've ever been fishing coming. or not. What happens yeah. is they're they're cruising along, paddling on top of the water. You got a bead on them. Oh, what a what a lovely bird! And then suddenly they submerge, and you don't know where they might pop up again. See, <laughs> and that's why they call them black swans because they submerge into the inky blackness dude, of the dude, Minnesota lakes, and then are, they just sort of reappear. Black swan. You know, this is this is Am a I right? fine example. This is a fine example uh-huh. of of just because you don't like an answer doesn't mean that it's wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, black swans don't do that. Loons do that. Black swans don't make that sound that you've been playing. Loons make that sound. What? Yeah. I think we're talking yeah, about the same bird. I really do. No, I, I, I don't think so. I, I'm, How, I'm pretty sure. What sort of, the, <laughs> after the news cycle that these markets have endured, I'm just I'm trying to speculate. And, you know, this gets into doom conversation pretty quickly here. I, I, I guess I'm just making the point. I don't know what it takes that would count as the black swan where the market would be terrified and do something dramatic. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, but sure. It's just had so much to digest. Oh, just absolutely. An just an observation. Absolutely. I mean, they are on the couch, uh, blanket pulled up, mm-hmm. watching watching a bad football game mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving. That's how full these markets are. Yes. Of news. Yes. And 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 information that they have had to digest. 
the tryptophan is kicking has kicked in in yeah. corn. Yeah, kicked in like six weeks ago mm-hmm. in corn, and uh, here we are. Now we're just kind of sliding out the bottom of that sideways trading range, and it's it it's almost unnoticed. It feels like, but yeah. not by yeah. all, but by some. I mean. You know, I've been saying, geez, look out. It feels like we're doing some technical damage. Joe Vaklovic stepped right up and said, yeah, he you sure know did. what? We're, yep. we're, we fell through the bottom end of a channel. Yep. Um, th- then, uh, yeah, you, there, there are some warning signs in this bean, in the corn market that the downside momentum is building. Now, it it uh, Matt got around to the point that I wanted to get to in the conversation with him. Okay. And all I had to do was throw out there the possibility that we could see a lower, uh, a, a lower corn yield estimate in tomorrow's crop production report because when you're down from mm-hmm. August to September, September to October, mm-hmm. odds are you're down October to November. That's that's what history tells us. It doesn't have to be big; mm-hmm. it just has to be some some additional downside movement. Uh, but boy, like I said to Joe, if we take anything off the supply side of the market, that is going to be uh, that is going to be cover for USDA to take a chunk off of the demand side of the market. Okay. Well, now conversely, conversely, if yeah. they would add some to the supply side of the market through a you know even just a slightly bigger corn mm-hmm. crop estimate. Mm-hmm. that makes it a little more difficult to make some of the changes that everybody is thinking that right. they're going to have to make on the demand side of the market. Okay. So you, you take a little bit off of the, off of the supply. We may take a lot off of the demand. You add a little bit to the supply. <laughs> maybe you take just a little bit off the demand. Well, and that, that sort of goes into this more philosophical question I've been thinking about. Matt, you know, Stonex has been running the numbers, making their own estimates, and their yield trends, he said, are increasing, and you got to keep an eye on that trend. And like you're saying here, there's a possibility there could be a bounce, but um, with trend line where it's at, which is, is it even 180? 180. Even 180 is 181? 181. 181 is trend, and so everybody says, well, yeah, but even a 174.9 is below trend line. Does do traders care more about USDA's trend line? In other words, oh, it's so far below, even That's... at a one seventy five, or do they care about the short term trends? Ooh, it's gone from one seventy two no. all the way up to one seventy five now. At at this point, at this point, you know, it's it's not August, it's not September, it's November. We've had enough of the supply side only mm-hmm. that that the market is watching. It's what it does to the bottom line. Okay. Okay. That's why I've been been talking about if you take some off of the supply side of the market, you're probably going to take a lot off the demand. If you add a little bit to the supply side, you take a little bit off the demand. So you're going to so, zero in on those export numbers tomorrow, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You cannot... Gotcha. You cannot look. It, it, it's November. You cannot look at supply alone. You cannot look at demand alone. It's it's going to be how those two totals relate to each other going forward. I think that's 
that's kind of the bottom line. Um, and the other thing is, the numbers that we get for the for corn crop and the bean crop, the numbers that we get tomorrow morning are what we're going to work with for the next two months. We don't get another estimate right. on this until the end of January in the annual um, in the annual production summary. So these are it for the next two months, which means that tomorrow morning at about eleven oh one. Everybody's going to be scrambling for a South American weather forecast. Mm. Happy Election Day, everybody. Get out and vote tomorrow morning. Randy Russell from the Russell Group, D.C., and the Farmer Forum.